Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome, folks, to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer, co-host, engineer, etc., Chris Morales. Are you here today? Boom, boom. I am here and ready. 646-564-9909 is the number. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in and speak to us. We have no guests today. Uh, if you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org. That's O-C-G-W-O-R-K-S dot O-R-G. Click on the OCG Radio Live button. Or you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. You don't have to call in on the call in line to listen to the show unless that's your only means, and by all means, do so. Perfect. Perfect. Now, I've been hearing... <laughs> I don't know, you know, if it's true or not, but I do want to know if it is true that from certain people have told me they've had difficulty listening live via mobile, you know, mobile devices or computer, etc. So we want to test that and make sure that that's not the case, and then we'll, uh, you know, be a phony person and, and send in a, uh, a help request. Right, 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 exactly, anonymously. <laughs> Uh, connected to maybe some other person's uh, radio page. I've heard the same thing, um, but everyone that I speak to believes that it is just the Internet connection that they're listening through. They're specific, not, okay. Right. Because we got a good server connection at our uh, secret location in our studio here. So, um, all right, let's go to our happy recap. Last week, we did our first personal story segment, um, but we didn't uh, introduce what the segment is about. And I know it sounds almost self-explanatory, but we still should have given a little description of the okay. segment. It was the first time that we used it. So um, first, before I even give, give description, uh, I need just because we're always about accountability. Can we find out who was responsible? Was it uh, production, screenwriting? Who, what department was responsible for, for that lapse? and? Uh, 
if I had to if I had to go out on a limb, if if I was put with my back in the corner and forced to answer, I'd have to say, uh, well, I can't recall who was the one who introduced the guest and brought us into that segment. Who? Yeah, who? What's who's last name? <laughs> uh, who? Well, I think he's on second. Okay. Well, what's on second? Who, whoever who is needs to get you know get, get on top of themselves, pull themselves up because we should have uh, at least introduced, explained what the segment was about. So, in the personal story segment, we will we will invite individuals on to share either their personal story of recovery and or if they work in the field, their professional story. So, we want to thank our first guest last week, Ray Mills. Uh our first guest of the personal story segment for sharing his personal and professional story last week, and it was well-received. Absolutely. Uh, our show topic last week was a heavy-on-the-heart topic uh, regarding recovery and illness, um, whether it's you or you're supporting someone who is going through it. We understand the struggle, and we're thinking about you, and we're sending positive thoughts and energy out to you from us here at OCG. There was a caller question last week asking why, asking, there it is again, it's come back. See, I can't, no matter how hard I try and get rid the, of it, it the, just sneaks back hatching. in there. <laughs> asking why women were were so underrepresented in treatment. And I offered up a primary reason, but after we went off air, I realized that I woefully Uh-oh. omitted, and I want to apologize for that. An equally primary reason and barrier for women entering treatment, which is children. Okay. More often than not, the women that have children and need treatment have the issue of who's going to watch the children, children, care for the children. And if there isn't a family member or other guardian that can do so, and unless the custodial rights have been temporarily or permanently removed... That's a barrier. Yep. So included in that is if the woman was in jail or prison and then post that desired or was ordered into treatment, you know, the family members or caregivers become wary, you know, wary as and tired, you know, and they may love the children to death, but they want they want you, their mother and father, let's not leave the fathers out, to look after them already. So, uh, okay, you think I'd be down enough enough? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, some recovery milestone shout-outs this week. Ken Lubin, Daytop, celebrating 45 years of recovery. Wow. That's major. That is major. Garnett Francis, Daytop, 44 years strong. Holy smokes. Okay. I don't want to say it. 45, so he, he's 45 years, 44 years I was a uh, newcomer to the country at that time and, and just entering first grade or something, kindergarten or first grade, one of the two. I don't know. So that shows you how I think one of them is 1970, one is 71. Okay. So uh, last but not least, there will be a Daytop and Samaritan Village alumni meet and greet on Saturday the 21st at 11 a.m., at the old Daytop 35th Street location. So we will do a reminder again next week. 
Okay. Okay, because it's not this Saturday, it's the following Saturday, but we want to just make an announcement, and then next week we'll do another announcement um, so that those two groups can uh, come together, those two alumni groups can come together and meet, because since, you know, Daytop and Samaritan Village have kind of merged together, um, it's only natural that the two alumni come together. That's right. And uh, duke it out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, good call. Good call. Uh, that's all I got. You got anything? No, I, well, I've got nothing other than to maybe uh give the audience a little bit of a heads up. Yeah. Uh today is a very special day in the lives of many a sports fan around the not only the country but I'll say the world. Yep. Uh, so we are going to give live updates to the listeners out there who happen to be football fans. It is free agency. Whenever we hear this sound clip, which uh, I may just use to interrupt the host at any time, will be significant of yep. a major move that has just gone down in the NFL, and we will uh, and we will announce that to our listeners so they can they can stay tuned to us and still get their NFL fix cuz we don't want to we we fancy ourselves to be a pretty good recovery radio show but we don't want to compete against the NFL that's no. uh, that's big time no but we but we do need to know what's going on on the first day of NFL free agency because that's when all the drunken sailors come out no pun uh, no pun intended yes. and all the money spent and we want to know who's going where so that will be going on. That will be happening. All right, let's take a quick music break, and then we're going to come back and get right into our topic. That sounds great. We will catch you guys on the other side. The Latino Commission Drug and Alcohol Treatment Services in South San Francisco was organized and incorporated in early 1991 and going on 22 years of providing services to our community. The Latino Commission, also known as TLC, would like to offer our services to those struggling with a substance use disorder. We have residential facilities for men, women, mothers and children, outpatient programs, transitional and SLE homes to assist and promote a successful recovery for individuals. We at the Latino Commission provide educational services on self-esteem, assertiveness, life management, coping skills, anger management, limits and boundaries, and other various subjects. The Latino Commission, restoring people holistically in an environment of love and understanding that represents our culture, improving quality of life. La Comisión de Drogas y Alcohol Latino de Tratamiento de Servicios en el Sur de San Francisco fue organizado e incorporado a principios de 1991 y van 22 años de prestación de servicios a nuestra comunidad. TLC desea ofrecer nuestros servicios a aquellos que luchan con un trastorno de uso de sustancias. Tenemos instalaciones residenciales para hombres, mujeres, mamás y bebés, programa ambulatorio, transitorias y las casas de facilitar y promover una recuperación exitosa de las personas. Estamos en la Comisión Latina proporcionar servicios educativos en la autocetima, la asertividad, la gestión de la vida, habilidades de afrontamiento, manejo del enojo, límites y fronteras y otros temas varios. 
La Comisión Latina Restauración de Personas Holísticamente en un Ambiente de Amor y Comprensión que Representa Nuestra Cultura, la Mejora de la Calidad de Vida. Welcome back to Roach on Recovery. Um, yeah, that wasn't a music break. That was a uh, PSA break. We got a little bit of music in there for you at the end, though. <laughs> uh, treatment and recovery, the first trimester. Now, there's a reason behind why we came up with the title of the first trimester. There's some similarities. I know I'm a man, but I do have a little bit of experience of uh, pregnancy. Okay. Um, we, I can, won't, we won't ask. Well, I can harken back to when my wife was pregnant Sure. on two occasions. And I remember saying to people after the second time that I can't, I can't go through this anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you, huh? Um, but if you think about someone who's, you know, we're... We're circling back to, if you remember the show we did on the definition of an addict, and then someone finally admitting it and saying, okay, throwing up their hands, okay, I'm an addict, I admit it, now what? So we're circling back to the now what? We've convinced them that they need some help, and they're going to get some kind of treatment. We don't know what yet, but we know that they're going to get some help. Right. So, first question is, what kind of treatment services or modality do I need? Well, if I've been out there using for 25 years and been using everything under the sun, I think outpatient is good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, of we, course. We get, we get that, folks. Someone's been using for 25 years and, you know, they're fresh out of prison and say, you know what, I don't need residential. I just, you know, I can do some outpatient. Right, right. I got time. I need time to do other things. <laughs> I got other things going on, you know. Got some important stuff to handle in my life. But we don't. Uh, when we make a determination and assess someone for the level of services, the level of treatment that they need is solely based on what they've been doing, and whether or not a person chooses to then take that level of service is entirely up to them. Um, so. It may seem, you know, self-explanatory. One of the things that Data pioneered was, you know, not everyone that came, you know, a lot of people needed residential treatment, but not everyone needed 12 months of treatment. Some people needed, uh, in what we would now today know as an call intervention. Right. So they might need a 90-day intervention of residential and then some consistent outpatient. And this came about, just for historical purposes, this came about as a result of connections that Daytop kind of established with city agencies, sanitation, the MTA, so the bus, the bus company. Sure, okay. Um, this, and the subway, you know, so city employees okay. that may have, you know, met, either got caught or admitted to drug problems and able to keep their jobs if they went into some kind of treatment. And so, you know, Daytop came up with a 90-day treatment model 
uh, went upstate for 90 days, came back down, heavy outpatient support, and the person was able to retain their you know, job Robin. and go back to work, et cetera. And I know many in my peer group that um, succeeded in that and got their jobs back and went on to succeed and even retire. Okay. Now, back to the calling at the first trimester, you know, you're, okay, you made a decision, you're going in, you're going into residential, we don't know how long, 90 days, 6 months, 12 months, whatever, you've never been in treatment before, you're nervous, your stomach's in an uproar, <laughs> You can't eat, can't sleep. Next day, you're getting driven. And if it's back in the day, depending on where you live, well, I don't care where you lived in New York, you were getting driven to Far Rockaway, Queens, to the entry unit, through this unknown world. How long is that drive, by the way? Just depends on where you live. Well, from where I lived, it was a 15-minute drive. Okay. I lived in Queens, so Not too it was bad. just driving to Far Rockaway from South Jamaica. But if you lived in Manhattan, you know, it was uh, it could have been an hour, hour and ten minutes, depending on traffic. Some time to contemplate. Some time it to all. contemplate. <laughs> all right. Grab hold of the wheel, turn around, pull a U turn. <laughs> all right, yes. Um <clears throat> So a lot lot of lot of feelings that I'm sure you, you you're not able to articulate at that time, but you know a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of butterflies, especially you know after you arrive and you you, know, you go through the checking in process, the admissions process, filling out all the paperwork and what what have you know all the stuff that they make you fill out, and then comes so what we had back in the day, the initial interview. Once you get in, you know, well back then it was once you got upstate. Forget about that. Let's just say once you get into treatment, the initial interview. Um, and we still have an interview. We don't call it the initial interview anymore. We call it the welcome interview. And it's not the old-style initial interview, which many people did wrong. Okay. Um, but it's still an interview, and it still attempts to accomplish the same goal. Um, but to me, in a correct manner, which is nowadays way things are in treatment, you know, people are ordered into treatment from through the criminal justice system. Um, there really is no, in terms of the program, not taking them unless there's something so outstanding either psychiatrically where it's beyond the scope of the program or behaviorally where there's a significant concern in terms of safety. The person is, is going to get admitted into treatment. So what's the purpose of the interview? Well, not only are we going over the rules, going over a little bit about what treatment's going to be about, but also to learn a little bit about you. What brings you to us? What's your life been like a little bit prior to coming here? Right. Um, so we're not going to sit, spend an hour talking to you about that. Where you know the initial interview, you know, depending on who was doing it, you can be in there for an hour and forty-five minutes trying to drag something out of somebody, um, and if you didn't know what you're doing as the facilitator of that, then you would be in there that long. But in truth, a welcome interview really only takes 20 to 30 minutes, and the old school initial interview should only have taken 45 minutes to an hour. 
regardless of how tough the person, <laughs> how tough they were. The old I and I. Right. So, more often than not, most people who've been using consistently need a residential intervention. If you are a functional addict, however, i.e., you know, I have a job, which I, I, I'm, you know, successfully maintaining, even though I'm using consistently, um, then out, out, even though you are using and residential, an intensive residential treatment may be the best fit, we are not going to take, you know, to recommend to someone that you quit your job. Let's try sure. the least yeah, restrictive sure. approach first. Let's see if an out, intensive outpatient treatment will work. And if we don't see a reduction in the use with the ultimate goal being, you know, sobriety, ultimate sobriety, then we might say, look, might. either one or two things are going to happen. You're going to implode on your own eventually sometime down the line, or you might want to see if your employer is willing to give you some time off. And by the way, if you're in California, it's allowed. I don't know about the other states in, in 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 the mainland, but in California, you can get your 90 days and have your job held and all that good stuff. And so we would try them an outpatient. You know, we wouldn't force them. We wouldn't say, oh, you got to quit your job. So who are we to say that? Right. You know what I mean? Um, but we certainly wouldn't want you to lose your job. That's a bad way to go out. It's better to... You know, hopefully you have the type of employment where you can. There's a place you can go and say, "Hey, I, I need some time off." And, and then, again, in California, you just need to say, "Hey, I, you don't even have to get specific. I, I need to take family care leave, and it could be to care for yourself." Sure. Uh, so you can go into treatment <clears throat> because your privacy is protected. So, <clears throat> but, watch that one. Yeah. So more often than not, a residential intervention um, is needed, um, and that's, you know, if you've ever, we, we've sat at the front door watching people come in, you know, for the first time into treatment, and you can see the trepidation, yes. the, uh, the, anxiety. the anxiety of them walking in, and our goal is to help minimize that. Because uh, we've been there, we know what that feels like, and we want them to feel as welcome and as uh, at home as quickly as possible. And here's why that's very important. The longer a person feels on a part of the environment, the treatment environment, on a part of the family, on a part of the community that they're now entering, the likelihood of them not staying increases. I don't belong here. I don't feel a part of here. Right. So they're going to leave. And so you want them to become a part of, and you want them to, I'm about to mention, believe it or not, the single most important thing that keeps people in treatment. And I will argue this till the end of the earth, to the end of the earth with anybody. The single most important thing that keeps people in treatment is bonding with other people. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I don't care how great of a program you think you may have, et cetera. It's always the people that are there. Right. That they bond with. So you're not necessarily talking about 
peer-to-peer bonds. It could be someone bonding with a counselor, bonding with a – I mean, ultimately, that's uh, the goal. But I'm saying if someone feels bonded with anybody – Yeah, initially, I don't care who the bonding is right. with, but you already know how I feel about, bond, about bonding with staff. Right. You know, that's In the long run, that's not a good thing. Right, exactly. But, but just coming through the coming door, through the feeling door. like, hey, you know, this person is really welcoming or this staff member makes me exactly. feel – you know, welcome and understanding, and and more often than not, that is the case. It's usually the staff person that welcomes you in, primarily. Yeah, and that's the person you have your Until first you get to right. Meet and, your... if, and if and, and if that person is welcoming and makes you feel a part of the family, you know, instantly, huge first step. You no, know, huge first step, and you, you know, so far so good. You yeah. know, rather than someone saying, "Get in here." Just bags on the floor. And you know what? Don't sit down until I tell you to sit down. You don't want help. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so, good call. Now, keep in mind, uh, the old school day topper, topper, toppers listening, remember, that may have been once you got upstate, you got that kind of treatment. But once you when you went into entry, you weren't, we weren't treated that way. We were welcomed in, into into the entry unit with open arms and made to feel at home, a part of, and so on and so forth. Now, when you got took that long van ride upstate, upstate, that's a different story. Yeah. Once yeah. you got to Swan Lake or Parkville, that's when you get in here, sit down over there. <laughs> right. Keep your eyes looking straight. Yeah, but they're the privilege to look left or right. That's it. That was in the 80s, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get that's scared. Don't it. get scared. All right. So, um... <laughs> This is a this is a pretty big one, and I know it's it's not a, a sexy move because the offensive line doesn't get much love. But this is the second most sought after guard in free agency. Okay. All right, real quick. We've got Orlando Franklin, in whom the Jets were interested in, got five years and thirty-five million from the Chargers, nineteen million guaranteed. Okay, thanks for the update. There you have it. Um. So what are some of the universal goals and, and objectives I should be focused on in my first three months, the first trimester of treatment? And I, I can only use the term universal because obviously we can't be specific to everyone, but universally all of us would have certain things that we would want to accomplish in the first three months, number one being staying. Would you agree? Staying. I would agree. And I one. think would you agree or safe to say – uh, before we move forward with the theme of this show, that the first three months or the first trimester maybe the most important? Arguably uh, are, the most are, important? I would argue that they are the most important. Yep. The most important. Yep, myself as well. Um, so we want you to stay. And so staying is a two-way street, as we've been talking about, in terms of the program making you feel, hey, this is an environment that I can stay in. And then, obviously, your desire to stay. It's not just us. I mean, we no matter how many flowers we put up and 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 desserts we put out and and, and what have you. Right, right. You know, all the enticements, you know, you still must have the desire. So we, you know, it's it's it takes two here. Uh, the program has their part, and then I, the client, have my part. So those are met. Okay, I'm staying. I'm getting into week one, week two. I'm now starting to think about. What is it that my goals are going to be for the first three months? Well, for me, universally, I always want to make sure that clients, how's your health? Because if you've been out there a long time, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, it's safe to assume 
most, most haven't been taking care of themselves. Not all, but most haven't been. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's start getting you checked out. Let's get a physical. Let's get some regular care going here to see what's what, where things are at. We get a baseline starting point for for us and for you, so you could know what's going on with you. Okay. And hopefully all's well. But if all's not well, at least we can start the process of getting some care. Getting there, yeah. You know what I mean? Get, getting whatever might be an issue taken, take get that issue taken care of, and or managed. Um, so he, you know, healthcare while you're in treatment, legal issues. That's a big one. Okay, are they um, resolved? Or are they in flux? You know what needs to happen there. Pending. You know pending. Okay. You got twenty five to life hanging over your head. You know, what's going on here? Right. When we send you on your court date two weeks from now, are you gonna come back or com- they're right. taking you into custody? Do we need to send someone to who they can report back. Yep, they took them. Yeah. Um that happens out here folks a lot, by the way. People go to court and they don't come back. Okay. Um so we try and find out what 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 are your legal issues that we need to make sure that you are are attending your 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 court appointments, your court dates, whereas maybe before you were blowing them off, you got warrants out, okay, which is often the case. Um, and so we we want to address that and let and let if if you've been in the criminal justice system before and you had a PO or have one and you haven't been reporting and you know and, and all of this is going on because you've been in your addiction. You know, when you're in your addiction, you you don't care about calling your PO on a monthly basis or going to see them. You know, you're in your right. addiction. Right. And so when when you are now uh, making attempt to exit that, we're going to try and help you. We're going to make contact. We're going to make first contact with that PO and say, hey, we got Mr. Morales here. He's in treatment. Um, he's talking about wanting to make a change in his life. He's got a court appointment coming up, you know, in a month. Uh, he's going to be there. We will make sure that he's there, um, and we will have someone there with him. Uh, we just want to call and let you know that. So we start becoming, we, we want to, like your agent. Yeah, here you go. Right? You know I like what I mean? that, yeah. We start becoming your agent. Sure, absolutely. Um, we're not speaking for you, but we want to be a part of speaking on behalf of you and, and speak out about the positive steps, no matter right. how small, right. that you're making so that those who may have a stake, I mean that figuratively and literally, <laughs> a stake in you. Uh, so if the criminal justice system has a stake in you, we want to let them know that, hey, this person's doing something. Yeah. Okay. There's this first step here, a second step here. And so we're we're, do, we're sending all these feelers out to let people know to try and bring down the uh, the level of of anxiety on the other side of wanting to throw the hammer down. Right. Yeah. Because you've been AWOL from whatever responsibilities with the criminal justice system that you may have had. Okay. So we want to take care of that in the first trimester. And hopefully, as we're doing those first two things, health, you know, trying to get you to stay, working on your health, working on your legal, okay, some of the anxiety that you may have as the client is decreasing. Some of your nervousness is decreasing. Some of your nausea 
that you might suffer in the first trimester is decreasing, okay? And hopefully you're preparing yourself because you're going to have to speak on behalf of yourself at your first court date if that's the case um, because more often than not, they don't want to hear from me. They want to hear your mouth, your mouth to God's ears. What are you going to be doing for yourself that's going to make me, i.e. the judge, decide, you know what, I'm going to give you a shot for treatment versus sending you to jail or sending you to prison for three years. So you speak for yourself. But we'll let you know, not quote-unquote, we don't do, we don't, we don't do, I'm not going to say to you, hey, these are the things that you need to say. No, you're going to speak truth. And part of speaking truth is acknowledging any wrongdoing that you may have done. You know what? I didn't, I, I was irresponsible with not reporting when I should have reported. I was irresponsible with not contact, not making my court appointments. And then you'd be honest about the reason. And the reason these things didn't happen is because I was using, I was addicted. And that's that. If they have any questions for us as your support representing the program and what and how we're going to try and help you, we're there to provide that. Now, so we got working on staying. We got working on getting a baseline of, of where help is at, getting a baseline of where legal is at. What else are we what else are we worrying about? What else are we trying to do in the first three months? I think a, a big piece of the first three months is really physiological and or physical just deep just getting it all out of your system. It, it, uh the detox the not, detox. not the uh the literal detox, i.e. if you had to go to a detox right. but actually not the medical detox right. but but the the physiological of just right. getting the drugs out of your system, getting the the, the, the cobwebs clearing out of the mind, etc. And usually, you know, 60 days, between 60 and 90, if you've been using consistently between 60 and 90 days, you really start to feel a difference. You know, you start, especially once you start eating properly, sleeping properly, and those things start to, you know, the body's, the body's unbelievable. Right. It's ability to, you know, recover, heal itself. If you only do some, some certain things to allow it to do it. So, like sleeping, eating, simple things like that. Yep. Okay. And not putting poison in there on a consistent basis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. That goes a far, uh, a long way. All right. So, if you're doing those things and not doing the poison thing, the body starts to recuperate and you start to feel better, two month mark, and. You know, wow, you know, I'm starting to feel the effects. I, I don't know anything about treatment yet. I don't know what my psychological problems are and why I use. I don't know. We don't know anything about that yet. All I know is I'm starting to feel better physically, okay? And if you came in, let's say you were an opiate addict and you came in and you quit cold turkey, you know, and you're walking in the door. And so, you know, you know, usually by, mm, let's let's say two weeks, two-week mark, you know the real heavy withdrawal symptoms are have have you know subsided subsided significantly, and now we're just dealing with some minor stuff. You know, but by 30 days, you know that's that the, the physical addiction stuff is kind of gone, pushed out, and and now we're trying to just do the overall recuperation of the brain again. Cobwebs clearing out. Where am I? Where have I been? What's my name? You know, and all that stuff, and. <clears throat> And now you're looking at, okay, who are all these people 
<laughs> that are right. around me. Right. Okay. Uh, getting used to the treatment environment. You know, learning the names of the other people that are in treatment with you, and and it's and this is irrespective of no matter what setting, whether it's residential, outpatient, or whatever, because. Whether you go to an outpatient group once a week, twice a week, three times a week, and there's a whole bunch of people there together, you know, you got to get to know who, who, you know, who your uh, your peers are. They're they're trying to achieve this recovery thing with you. So, getting to know people. What else? So we got the, you know, the getting um, them to stay, the physical, kind of physiological. Yeah. And uh, I still got a little, I'm still in the first trimester, so I still got a little bit of anxiety. I still, you know, still get a little nervous every now and then because I don't know what this treatment thing is really about yet, you know. Um, and we'll get into the treatment plan. I know, I, you know, by 60 days, I, I know, by 30 days, I've had my treatment plan. But, you know, since the cobwebs aren't clear, I really don't know what that really is yet, Okay. Um, I think if it's the first time someone's going into treatment, that first uh, three months, there's also the um, kind of beginning to rebuild the bridge to family relationships and repair some of that. The taking some inventory, uh, how much damage was done, my, you know, because family visits and whatnot. My experience, not personal experience, but just experience in with dealing with other people is that 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 90 day period is usually a lot of hang ups. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, right, this is right. John. I'm calling just for the treatment program. Click. Just want to let you know visits are Sunday at 12 up. Click. <laughs> I'm not sure if enough time has passed, but no, we also would help facilitate that. That's also another role that the program plays is facilitating that reunification process, no matter how strained it may be, but getting someone in the family. I don't care if it's your third aunt on your father's side of a cousin of your sister. Someone coming to visit you is very important. It is. It's crucial. Very important. Um, so we want to facilitate that within the first three months. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what are some of the things that happen? What are the, some of the experiences that occur during the first three months of treatment and recovery? I know... Doubt. You know this this thing is hard. Yeah, can I do this? Even if I want it, can I? You know this waking up at six o'clock in the morning business stuff sure. is hard. Yep, yep. This hospital corners nonsense. I mean, can you give can you give a guy a fitted sheet? <laughs> right, the forty five degree angle. Maybe your first couple encounter groups, you're thinking, holy smokes, what? <laughs> What did I sign up for? And and you wouldn't know what I'm about to say, but New Yorkers would say, "What what have I entered? Is this Creedmoor? Is this Creed Bellevue? <laughs> I mean, what what kind of place is this? People are yelling and screaming at each other, foaming at the mouth, spitting and whatnot. Not spitting, spitting, but spit coming out their mouth as the fire and brimstone of encounters. Yeah. It. So what the hell is going on here? People bouncing in their chairs, and then the group's over and you act like nothing happened. So that's an experience that you know if you've never if you've never been in in, right. in a res, any residential treatment they call them different names in kind of group process group different things but it's the same experience uh, getting to know your uh, your immediate peers people that are you know came in around the same time or you know straight peer that uh, you know enrolled around the same time that you that you did um, 
connecting and bonding with those, with those people. What you have in common in terms of your life story, what you don't have in common, learning you know learning other experiences and and, and how they fit in with yours. Um, who are some people that you that that look like the foundations of some possible friendships? Yep. That can be uh, built or worked on. Um, am I still experiencing any nausea, any nerves? Am I still sleep? And and well, yes. If you if you're a meth addict, coming down off of you know consistent heavy methamphetamine use, um, you know, it it can take sixty to ninety days for sleep to return to normal patterns. Um, diet. You know, or or not diet, but um, what's the word? Your desire to eat to return to normal patterns. Um, nausea is not uncommon for the uh, for the meth addict as they're experiencing, uh, you know, having their body trying to shift back into some normalcy. So um, that first trimester is hard. It's hard. The only difference between that and a real pregnancy is, uh, you know, the woman who's pregnant, you know, she's holding life and is and 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 is and is doing her darn best to to hold on while uh, that new life is uh, creating all kinds of changes within her. With us, figuratively speaking, as we go through our first trimester of treatment, uh, it, it's it's. We're not holding life or other than our own. We're only responsible for ourselves, okay? And anything that we've done to harm our ability to eat, our ability to sleep, is all self-inflicted. Whereas the woman who's pregnant, well, some can say, well, it's not self-inflicted, it takes two, but in theory, it's not a self-inflicted wound, like those who who choose to use use drugs and become addicted, that's a self-inflicted wound. So that first trimester is very hard. Now, what is it? What is it that it's going to take to get me through it and get me to that to the to the end of that? Well. My, my my own personal experience, and as we stated before, well, I I don't like using my own personal experience. That's 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 not that's not a good frame of reference. I think there are other frames of reference that are more real world experiences other than my own that more that reflect a, a more consistent reality among among addicts, and that is. If you ask any of them that are still in recovery today, well, with all of the things that you had going on in that first trimester, what how, how did you survive it? And and this and there's a common theme that we've been mentioning over the weeks. It's funny how it always comes back to this. Yep. The the in the environment played a role, meaning how you know? How did they treat me as a human being, and the people that were there? How did they treat me as That's a right. human being? And I think anyone, at least, uh, you know, if I go back to my time, would would they would say what you know? 
it wasn't this one thing or that one thing, but it was the fact that, you know, uh, just, just, just the bond that I had with the people that were there, you know, coupled with the desire to change your life. You know what I mean? I know many people who had, they really wanted to change. They really wanted recovery. But okay. there was a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on. And sometimes, You're talking about like personal life yeah, stuff? Or... And sometimes look, they might have four or five different things going on, and one of those things were stronger at that moment in time than the desire to stay. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? And as a result, it pulled them out. Yeah. Okay. And some made it back. Some didn't. Right. You know what I mean? And so our goal now as providers is, you know, whether you have experienced it yourself or you haven't experienced it yourself, the goal is still the same is we know that those first three months are the hardest if you're going into long-term treatment. And, and now, by the way, they consider six, you know, six months long-term treatment. So you know that those first three months is, the, is like the marker of, you know, you're trying to make it to that that mile marker. Um, and I always try and go by uh, if if they're if I can get that first 30 days, that improves my chance of getting them to the 60 day mark. If I got them at 60, then my chances have exponentially improved to get them to the to the 90. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's Regardless true. of what they may be experiencing. Right. Physically. Mentally, emotionally, psychologically, yeah, et cetera. Absolutely. So I'm going to work hard as a provider with that, with all that stuff in mind that I'm aware of that that person is going through to help make. I'm not going to make it easy for them, but because I understand and since I know what it is that they're going through. I'm going to, my awareness of it, my role is to make sure the environment is as welcoming as possible so that they would want to stay. My physical plant is tight, it's clean, it's a, you know, it's right. a dirty place. Yeah, you, know, you feel not, comfortable in it. It's not a crack house, as we used to say. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, um, the furniture is welcoming. You feel okay to sit on the couch. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't look like the couch you just left out from the from the crack den. That they picked up off the street that had the free sign on right, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Another couch for the garage. Not that there's anything wrong with anything you see on the street free, by the way. <laughs> if it looks good, take it. Um, what else can I do? What What else can I do to make sure that they successfully make it to the three-month mark? Make sure the environment is safe. That's a big that, one. That's a responsibility of mine. That's a big one. So I have to emphasize with everyone that nothing nothing is more important than the environment being safe. No yeah. one can feel like, you know, something's going to happen to them physically or what have you. And I was going to say, and not just physically safe either. Yeah, emotionally safe. Emotionally safe, yeah. Safe to be able to be open and trust and mm-hmm. be a little vulnerable because that's what you are. Right. Um, so I'm not using anymore, I'm not medicating my feelings anymore, so I know uh, a lot of feelings are going to come to the fore, right? Okay, yep. Feelings I, I've never, have either never felt or haven't felt in a while, and I don't know what they are, don't know what they're called, don't know how to express them, um, 
I'm just all screwed up. But i got to somehow find a way to make it. And while you're feeling all that, how about being required to do a song and a dance in front of the family? <laughs> in front of the family. To, to get you to be really, you're in now. You're in now. Song and a dance, please. I had to do the sports report uh, in front of 250 people. Okay. And so that was my first. That's big time. Of, of challenging my fear of getting up in front of the family. And I have to be, you know, I have to be honest. Um, when I got up, when they, when they called my name for the sports report and I got up, this was the late 80s, so I was wearing baggy, baggy pants. Um, All right. If I wasn't. Uh, they would have seen my leg, my what was it, my right leg shaking. Okay, that's how nervous you are. Okay. All right. And uh, I got through it. And uh, Did they give you a round of applause. Yes, you know, usually well, you go up to the new sports weather, whatever, right. and well, especially if you're a younger member, they, they definitely right. pump you up. Uh, here's the funny part, at least to me, is so you challenge the fear each time you do it, you get there's less and less. Anxiety, nervousness, and fear, and before you know it, you, you've got a shtick going on, and you know, next thing you know, it now becomes, can we get rid of this guy? Because someone else has to come in, and you know, you have to leave room for others to challenge their fears also. So you can't, ah, I love sports. Let me do the sports report for the whole twelve months I'm here. No. <laughs> so after about two months, I got uh, unceremoniously dumped. But yes. There are many ways that we can involve you in the family to make you feel a part of the family. And some are, you know, doing things in front of the family, you know, entertaining things. Nothing to humiliate anybody, but um, having you re- recite the philosophy or a poem or the saying of the day, the word of the day, things of that nature. And, you know, we always want to choose on the, n- the new folks not to pick on them, but to heighten their involvement so they feel part of the family. Okay. You know what I mean? It, and it, again, this is irrespective of whatever setting, whether you're in residential outpatient. Because if I'm facilitating an outpatient group and I have new members to the group, I have to figure out a way to make them feel a part of the group. Because human nature is that I'm new, I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to stay this, you know, uh, meld into the background yeah, a little bit. You I know, don't want to ruffle be, any feathers. Become invisible, you know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah, wallflower. Become a wallflower, you know, you can't see me. And um, <clears throat> But a skilled facilitator is aware of that and will, at, at the right time, call that person out. I don't mean negatively call them out, but bring them out of that shell a little bit and give them something, you know, give them... Throw them something easy to ease them into the uh, into the group, so they feel a part of the group. Yeah. So, am I going to am I going to make it to the three month mark? Because you you guys, so you welcome me in. You're checking me out physically. How am I doing? How's my health? You know, you got you got that going on. You checking on my legal stuff. Do I got any warrants? Am I wanted by the FBI? 
CIA, NSA, etc. <laughs> you help me out with that. Um, I got people pulling me in, showing me what's you know how to do things. You know, if it's residential, how to make my bed, keep my room clean and tidy, keep it tight. You know, when's lunch, dinner, breakfast, what time to wake up, etc. You know what I mean? Yeah. How to how to dress appropriately. What, no, no sagging allowed. What crew am I going to be on? What, what, what yeah. will be my responsibilities? What's, what are my responsibilities in the house if it's residential? Mm-hmm. You know, as we say in our program and in, and, and in the daytop world, you know, we call that your share and its purpose. That's right. How are you going to give back? Carry your weight, pull your weight. That's right. We don't have any maids or butlers. So I got all that. The environment is welcoming. I'm getting to know people. How about even something as small as learning the language? Learning the lingo. Learning the yeah, totally. You guys are world. you guys are saying words I don't know what they mean. <laughs> right. Respect my belly. What time is dinner? <laughs> <laughs> we we don't and just FYI to those out there listening. We so we most of you know the TC language. You know, haircuts and uh, you know LEs and shot down and all. First time I heard shot down, I was like, "What? What? what? <laughs> Who got shot? <laughs> what are you shooting for?" All right. And they explained it to me. Oh no, this is what it means. I'm getting a haircut tonight. Yeah, I don't need a haircut. What are you talking about? It's a haircut. <laughs> I got my haircut last week. Oh, the funny thing is explaining it to your family. I said, "Yeah, I was in the books. I got a haircut." I said, "What? Your hair's still look the same." <laughs> yep. And explaining it to outside, you know. uh Ex- external folks who don't know the the language of the TC, you know, so you might be talking to a judge and the judge is reading. Or, you know, we have to, you know, eventually train that out of staff. Don't use only, you know, don't use internal language for outside reports, yeah, right? Reports, so, you, yeah. so you got written on there, yeah, you got three haircuts and uh, this and that, and, <laughs> sending and the, that to the, the PO, judge, sending that to the PO, and the PO is like, what? What are you talking about? Right. So what? He got some ha- hey, haircuts. What are you got a haircut for? <laughs> Exactly. So we, had to, we had to clean that up. We live and learn. Live and learn. That's right. Um, you're feeding me. I'm getting three meals a day. Back on, you know, a good diet. Some would say too, too, too good of a diet. Sure. Because you know, everyone seems to gain a little bit too much weight. Um, so I think I can make it through the first trimester. If all those things as we described are happening, I think I can make it. Well done. Got to make it. But I'll make it through the first trimester. What's going to I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. My family's not allowing me back in. Uh, if I'm involved in criminal justice, my PO says, look, if you don't uh, do this, I, I got a cell waiting for you. The judge wasn't playing around. So, you know, I, I got external pressures on me. But guess what, folks? External pressures have proven themselves to be ineffective. ineffective because there are many people sitting in jails and prisons who had time hanging over their heads and the addiction the the calling of of the drug the calling of the life was so strong they couldn't overcome it so that's no guarantee 
And in a future show, I'm going to play a pre-recorded interview in regards to that particular subject, by the way, about the effectiveness or lack thereof of the, the sword of Damocles, i.e., when you have time hanging over your head, you know, so the judge says, if you don't complete this program, I'm sending you to away for this many yeah, years, for five years, or seven years, or fifteen years. And we've seen many people with I, I've, I'm not going to give the story away, but I've seen many people that have more years than that, and they're now sitting in prison. So that even that now for me, I've always said I cannot comprehend it. Me as an individual can't comprehend it. If the judge says, you know what, you got a week hanging over your head, that would motivate me personally. Right. Okay? Because jail, I've never been there, but I've visited there and, and visited prison. Nobody wants to live like that. I do not, can't see it. So the judge said, look, you can spend a week there if you don't get your act together. That would be enough for me. Right. Five years, 10 years, 15, just as a thinking intellectually, I would say, wow, that should be extreme motivation and that should really make someone turn their life around. But it has proven, unfortunately, and I'm sorry to say this, that there's been too many people that we have seen come through our doors with those things hanging over them and it has not worked. Correct. So nothing trumps your desire to actually clean your life up and change your life around. That's exactly accurate. So... So that I think that's the first trimester. Um, I'm, I so I'm at the end now. I, I'm not. I'm eating a little bit. My diet's a little bit better. I'm not as nauseous as I was in the first 30 days. I'm not as nervous and anxiety-ridden as I was. I know some people now starting to feel a little healthier. Uh, starting a, to look a little healthier. Starting to look better, feel better. You know what I'm saying? Uh, put on a little weight, a little bit. You know what I mean? So quote unquote, the, the proverbial baby is getting a little healthier. Starting to see there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, maybe yeah. Even. Maybe, maybe. But that's only the first trimester. That's right. It might be the hardest part. That's right. But we didn't say it was the easiest. It might be the hardest. Does that mean that the second or the third is the easiest? No, 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 no. no. But that's for the next show. That's right. All right. Let's take a music break this time. We're going to go full music break this time, real music break. And uh, any any NFL updates in the meantime? Any, anything yeah, I, I mean, about? I didn't, n- none that I, were worthy. I only wanted outstanding, you know, you know yeah. my parameters were. For, none that were worthy of the interrupt button, uh, but uh, we do have the, uh, apparently as we speak, the uh, the Jaguars coaching staff and players are making their pitch to Demarco Murray. As I said, okay. Yeah, and someone the, I'm watching so everybody out there knows while I'm producing. I've got ESPN. They have a live free agency feed with all the beat writers and everyone posting their tweets as information comes in. Someone says it. The Jaguars wouldn't hurt if Demarco Murray decided to re-sign with the Cowboys, but if they lose him to the Raiders. That would be uh that would be a crushing blow. So apparently the Raiders are in on this as well. Both of those teams have a lot of money to spend. That's right. Okay. Um yeah, other than that, now the Matt Castle trade became a, official because it was just pending a physical and LaShawn McCoy is quoted as saying it felt good to find a team that actually wanted me. All right, good stuff. <laughs> so that's so he didn't feel too welcome in Philly. All right. Let's go to 
So we're going to get a music break. We do see that we have a couple of you on hold, some callers, so we will get to you guys on the other side. Thank you for being patient.
Roach on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our Recovery Support Time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery Support Time. A time for us to help you. the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can. Don't even try to understand. Just find a place to make your stand. Take it easy. Welcome back to Rochon Recovery. 646-564-9909. Before we go into our recovery support time, I do want to tell a quick story, if you don't mind, since we were talking about the first trimester. We love the host stories. So uh, my wife, when she was pregnant with the uh, oldest one, uh, and, you know, new, new to this country from England, so one, she didn't like the food, and then... She didn't feel like eating, obviously. Uh, and so we had a dilemma. You had and to find the best chippy around. So here it is. We find out we are pregnant. Notice I said we. We're pregnant. And um, instead of normally, you know, you're supposed to gain weight, right? She's losing. Uh-oh. Okay. Losing enough weight that we're starting to worry and get concerned. Okay, because okay. you're supposed to be putting on putting on weight. Well, that's and, right. And she's going the other direction. <laughs> so I'm talking to Allison, our dear late Allison Sheenan. Yes. Our other uh, um, English resident. English person. Transplant. Uh, transplant. She was the <laughs> teacher at the daytime school. And saying, yeah, you know, Linda's having a hard time. Uh, she can't eat. She hates the food over here, et cetera, et cetera. And Allison says, you need to find her some, um, what are the name of the, the damn crackers? Well, like I said, the chippy, which is where you get fish and chips right. in England, right. or the Brit, where they're going to get you some It'll come back to me, and I'll mention before the show's over, but or a certain type, of, certain type of crackers, okay? some Cadbury chocolate. But here's the thing. So we're driving down El Camino, okay? It's two-lane highway. Uh, let's see. I can't think of a you know a, a place in New York that'll be similar where everyone might know. Uh, Cross Bronx Expressway, maybe. And are, are now crackers or cookies? Crackers. These are crackers. Okay. And um, we're driving down El Camino past San Carlos, and we see a British flag hanging off a store, and the name of the store is British Foods. There it is. I cut across four lanes of traffic. <laughs> there <laughs> it is. Swinging a U-turn. Uh, 
and Allison had said there was a store somewhere around that she knew that sold British food, and here we we found we came upon it, and it saved us. Now it hurt me because everything in there costs an arm and a leg because it's imported from England. Okay, but finally she found some food that she can eat, and uh, the only thing I didn't understand, and and I don't know about the Brits when it comes to this, but there's certain like the names they have for certain foods that sound to me like. Like dog food. Like, you ever heard of Marmite? Yes. And Branston Pickle? Uh-huh. Well, you know, because your nan is uh, English, so you know all this stuff. But That's somebody right. else knows it, something like, what the hell's Marmite? Yeah. And I actually think... It sounds, like a, mistaken, it sounds like a flying mosquito. <laughs> that might have uh, originated from Australia. Okay. That. And then Branston Pickle, which the house seems to could never have to do without. And she puts it on everything. The crackers, which I still can't remember the name. I can't believe I don't remember the name of the crackers because we just can't buy one 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 sleeve. We have to buy four four boxes of it, <laughs> and I can't remember the name of it. It's unbelievable. But the crackers actually saved her. That's what she ate until she passed the first trimester, and then she finally started putting on some weight, and uh, we're home free after that. Okay, so once she found that spot, once she we found were that in. spot, it was done. It was a wrap. The years and they closed down. I think about two years ago. But now, now she can get everything she wants online. She orders all her British crisps and British chocolates and you name it. Okay, I'm about to rip out the internet connection at home. <laughs> all right, let's get to the calls. Recovery support time. We're done with the first trimester. Uh, let's go with uh, who? Just real quick, and I'm going to throw out one guess for the crackers. Okay. Water biscuits, by chance? No, okay. no. And she's listening. She, she's probably laughing, knowing that I can't remember their name, and they're staring. I can see their orange and white wrapper staring me right in the face right now. <laughs> All right, let's go to Todd from Morgan Hill. Yep. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. I guess. How can we go help ahead. you? My question is, what is the best thing to do for recovery as an adjunct to uh, AA meetings and NA meetings post, or, you know, getting out of treatment? Um, like the second best thing to a successful recovery. Well, to ha- to have a, a well structured life, I would say. So either you're working or you're in school or you, you know, you have a hobby or you, you're involved in sports or, you know, something, your your life is, has structure to it. You okay, follow so me? Make sure that you, yeah, that you get up in the morning or early in the morning and have your day planned out pretty much as to what you're going to do and do that on a consistent day-to-day basis. Yeah, and, and it's not necessarily the finite detail of that, but just having a structure. Okay. Having a structure, whatever that structure may be, and incorporated into that structure, is um, is your 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 you know your support groups and so on and so forth. All right. Okay. I call people and so forth. Structure is very important. People sometimes say, "Oh, I'll just go to AANA," and then the rest of their life is all haywire. No structure to the life. All right. Great. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. All right, modern technology. My wife just texted me the name of the crackers. <laughs> okay. 
I guess she couldn't take it anymore. Uh, Jacob's Cream Crackers. Jacob, okay, so that's the brand right yeah, there. Yeah, Jacob's Cream Crackers. What that's they, what it was, Cream Crackers. Allison kept saying, you got to get a Cream Crackers. you got to get a Cream Crackers. That'll do it for her. And so for folks out here, what is what is that similar to? Saltines or what are they're, we? Well, they're, they're not salty, so they'll be the unsalted saltine. Okay. Oh, the unsalted uh, Nabisco cracker, but thicker. So think two of them together. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so it's a thicker cracker, but just similar to that. All right. That's and all that, it took. That's all it took. <laughs> that's all it took. Well done. So. Uh, so thanks to the missus for uh show she shows she was listening and not just having the phone on and doing other stuff. Uh who do we got? Let's go to Henry, EPA. Welcome. How you doing today? Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I enjoyed your uh uh talk on the trimester. I mean, uh first thirty days of treatment or first ninety days of treatment. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting experience for me. I, I don't think I was taking my own inventory, though. I think I was taking everybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> only to find out that that was probably what was wrong with me in the first place. At any rate, the question I have for you today is um, working in the field of recovery, um, mm-hmm. the pitfalls, the pros and cons. I mean, some of the stuff to look out for Obviously, uh, staying sober is more than just working in the field. I was curious as to some of the things you and your peers or you and your colleagues uh, do to uh, keep things on track, the ones that are recovering anyways. Well, let me state first and foremost for the record, working in the field will not in and of itself keep someone clean and sober. Many have tried that. many have tried and failed. So a person's recovery is separate and apart. Mm-hmm. So Okay, I get what, that. What, what are the pros? I'll talk let's do the pros first real quick. So the pros are if it's something that you're really interested in your heart, so I'm gonna take that you know, presume that in your heart you're interested in working in the field, helping others through that recovery, you know, get into that recovery process. Um, it's the reward that you get from seeing someone a, either succeed or seeing when the light goes on and they get it and they understand how to put it all together to, to, to start that process and make it start working for them. That's very gratifying. Also, to hear back from people years, you know, that you, you know, that pass through, you know, pass through you, uh, you, you know, if you're working in a program and they, they, they go through the program and, you know, five, seven, eight, nine, ten years go by and you hear from them that, you know, how much their life has improved and changed positively and, and you know, how much they've accomplished, that's gratifying to know that it's not because of you but that you were a part of that experience when they were there. Those are the pros. You ready for the cons? Shoot. If you don't do the job right, you can get burnout. Mm. Yeah, I get that. What constitute not doing the job right? Well, when you're trying to live someone else's recovery vicariously through yourself. Right. 
you, you'll get burned out. I get that when you put too much getting energy too, in it. Getting too emotionally involved, you'll get burned out. Right, no separation. And last but not least, if you yourself have not fully resolved all of your issues, you then take them into the job with you. Right, I get that too. So I would say those three things are the cons. Right. How many years have you been working in the field of recovery? 26. Ooh. Getting up there, are we? Yes. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for your call, uh, Henry. Is there anything else you'd like to add or subtract from that? No. I like to keep it simple, short and sweet. Yeah, okay. Well, you guys have right, a great sir. day. My knee's doing right, great. Things are going good for me. So I just thought I'd check in uh, 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 with you guys in the seat, you know, with a little question here. All right, well, it's nice hearing from you, and keep listening, all right? All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Henry wants Henry's, uh, he's going to go, he's, he's looking at making that decision. Yep, yep. It's coming. Approaching quickly. Yep. Uh, let's see, who do we got here? Let's go with uh, Michael from South San Francisco. Michael, evening, welcome. gentlemen. I'm sorry, good evening, good evening gentlemen. Michael, can you speak up a little louder? Good evening, gentlemen. Can you hear me all right? Yes, that's better. Okay. My question is, um, okay, I have a couple issues. I have a little bit of issues with my privacy because of being hurt in the past. How important mm-hmm. is it for me to, I mean, how important is is it for me to be, you know, like rigorously honest, like the, like the big book says, before I transition out of my out of my fourth step, I mean, I know it's essential to share these deep feelings, but, I mean, how deep do I have to go? Only to a level that you're comfortable. And one more to adage to that, um, I guess when you have your own sponsor, I don't know, I've heard about it, I never did the actual process, um, and with me it's kind of hard because of my past drug and alcohol abuse. Um, I did some a little bit of damage to my... Uh, I guess you would say my frontal lobe, so it's hard for me to remember a lot of things, and it's hard for me to write things down. Can I do it auto by audio, like an audio tape? Yes. Mm. Sounds like it would help me more sometimes. I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'll be able to alternate back and forth. Um, I'm looking forward to my uh, fourth step. I am. So can I first. can I add one more thing in regards to the sponsor question? Yes, please. Um. You get you're the one that gets to determine. So as, let's say I'm your sponsor. Okay. I have to. It's a privilege for me to be your sponsor. And okay. in order to maintain that privilege, part of that is not only earning your trust. Okay. There's a process of earning your trust and got and mentoring and guiding you through you know the the process of the steps, et cetera. And in, in in that process, one of the things I should be doing is earning your trust so that you can feel free to speak with me as honestly as you feel comfortable. I okay, don't know. I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
let me say something. Um, so then when I do get the sponsor, we're, I don't jump right into this four-step with someone I don't even know. I just basically we build a relationship then for, with the first three steps first, then, right? Yeah, you want yeah yeah you 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 want to feel someone out because you want to make sure that they're right fit for you. Yeah, yeah. Should I should it be? Is it important that like maybe like say I like I like like that I pick somebody that has the same interests as me, or do I? Is it better when they're the absolute opposite so they can see like right through me? <laughs> no, no, no one can predict that because it could be someone that is similar to you that is become becomes a very good sponsor because of that. And the opposite could be true, but you, no one knows until you get into it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So it's a little trial and error, hopefully not too much trial and error. Like you're going through three, four five sponsors, but you know, hopefully, you know, I would hope that a person would only experience going through two meaning. So they try one and they realize what works and doesn't work. And they try another one and they're a little bit more experienced in, and, and they know what is a good fit for them. But not multiple ones where I share some with some people and then some information with some people and some with others. Because wouldn't it be like um, scattered? Inf- like it wouldn't help my program as well if it was, you know, you know what I'm sorry to say? I'm, I'm, I'm still fresh. I'm really green in recovery. So it's. It doesn't, to me, It. you can have one sponsor. But, Mike, you can share with anyone who you feel comfortable with. Terrific. I'm looking forward so, to this step work. That's that's all. That's as simple as I can state it. Thank you. Okay, I mean, this sir? is a refreshing twist to my recovery, actually being in a program and having myself on the radio. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Shelley. Uh, all right. Bye-bye, Mike. You, Bye-bye. Bye. I don't think we have to limit ourselves, you know, in terms of who, you know, how many people we might share, share with, you know what I mean? No, I think it's, I think you said it best. It's about your comfort level, personal comfort level. Yeah. If you trust two or three people and those are the people that you are going to share with, that's fine. If you trust five or six, are you willing to, that's up to you, but you. And each person might be proficient in a different thing. Give you terms, something different, you know right. I mean? One might be just a good listener, which right. you need every once in a while. Someone might be prone to giving you feedback, which you, though, I guess there's no maximum, right. but definitely a minimum. Mm-hmm. You got to you gotta reach out to somebody. Right. We, we know that much. But yeah, no, I agree. I think you said it pretty well. Okay. Let's go to Lavelle from San Mateo. Lavelle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm good. I have, my my question is this, or my dilemma is this, that um, I have history, have some traumatic history of, of sexual abuse done by my father, and I'm really trying to. I've been carrying it around like a badge to use, and now I'm in a place where I um, I really want recovery and I want to maintain it and not run from those shameful times and how I've even abused myself. And I was just wondering, um, I was listening to the previous caller, and he was like, you know, what you share with people. And I get really stuck on sharing and then thinking for them, what are they thinking about what I just shared? And I and I get stuck and I get uh, a little bit afraid of moving forward, and then I run. You know, and I'm just, I'm tired of running. So I don't know if you kind of understand my question or not. 
No, I, I understand perfectly. And the first thing I want to say is I want to uh, commend you and for even having the, uh, the the forethought that you have in terms of being able to state what you stated. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, to me, 75% of the job. So it's just the last 25% that you have to conquer. Because do you know how long sometimes it gets people to even state, hey, this is the experience that I had? Because of the things that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's been been forever. And, you know, it's like I've I've used behind it. I've caused my health to be worse behind mm-hmm. using. And now I just have no more. I don't think I have any more time to go back out and, and run for my particular issues. And I'm just really trying mm-hmm. to find some substantial ground to stand on and move forward. What would you like to do? I, I, I'm trying to, I want to move past the spot where when things get hard for me in recovery, that I um, I tuck tail and run. And I, and I go I go get loaded because I don't want to deal with the emotions and, and mm-hmm. the memories. It's like it's like being in the car and you got all this luggage behind you, and you right. step on the brakes and all this stuff comes flooding up. Right. So you've already proved to yourself, number one, that you can't you can't run and you can't hide. Yeah. Every time the high wears off or you stop using, all this stuff is going to come right back to your face. So it's a message. It's, it's the you know the universe is sending you messages, Lavelle. At some point, I don't know when, but it's either, you know, going to be sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with this head on. Don't try and go around it, underneath it, above it, but straight at it, okay? Mm-hmm. And as I stated, you, you've, you've gotten 75% of the way because you're able to even talk about some of these difficult experiences that you've had. It's a matter of, okay, the feelings that come up behind them how can I cope with them rather than run from them? Exactly. Well, we can get a belt and strap you to the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and when those feelers come up, you can't move. And then, and then, and then you will see, then you will experience that, wow, as bad as this may feel, mm-hmm. you know, Recounting these experiences and feeling these feelings again, I'm not going to die from them. As bad as they may feel, I'm not going to die from them. And then you're going to find out, and here's the key, then you're going to find out that, wait a second, every time I allow myself to feel it and experience the feeling, the next time it's not as Dominant. It's not as overwhelming. And then the next time it's even less. And then the next time it's less. And then you'll find out the secret, which is not a secret, that if I only allow myself to feel, the feelings will eventually dissipate. Because, you know, it seems like every time I start to feel them, 
it just seems I know it's not happening right then, but inside it just like tears me up. I don't know if I'm just being mm-hmm. a a little boy about it or or what, but it's like almost like what, I could close my eyes and feel it like it's happening right there. What age were you? Nine. Well, it happened. My dad, my my dad, a teacher, and then later on in life, I went to prison and I was attacked. Okay. So you describe when you say a little boy. That's exactly when the feelings come back. It's 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 like going back there to that age. So, first things first. First steps first, which is this is not going to go away by running from it. Mm-hmm. It's something that happened. Okay, it's an experience that you experienced. Okay, the question becomes, how is Lavelle now going to not only continue to talk about it, but cope with the feelings that arise as he's talking about it, little by little, no running out the door, but little by little. So maybe you talk a little by little and then deal with the, the deal with those feelings that arise out of the little talk. And then the next day a little more, a little more. And each day as you're staying there, when I mean staying there, I don't necessarily mean physically, but you're allowing yourself to just feel what the feelings are mm-hmm. and then learn to uh, identify them, verbalize them, articulate what the feelings are. You know, how did those that experience feel? That's very important. And to hear yourself say it. Hear the words come out of your own mouth of what it felt like, what it feels like, talking about it. All of these are part of the healing process. And if when you try and circumvent it, it's just going to circle back around and wait for you to start it again. And I'm so tired of doing that. Right. So let's take it one day at a time, a little bit at a time, and before you know it, you'll see, trust me, the feelings will dissipate. And eventually, eventually, there'll be one truism. And I'll just close on this. I'll be one truism. You'll never be able to change what has occurred, but you can change how you feel about it. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay? All righty. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. You have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Wow. Yeah. And that is impressive for someone to be able to speak to that, and, but at the same time acknowledge the struggle in dealing with, hey, when I do speak to it, the feelings that come up, comes up right. is unbearable and overwhelming. Right. And, but I'm tired of running, so we hope that there is no more running and that we deal with it head on no matter how overwhelming or how tough and hard the feelings are because that's the key. People don't realize. Right. No free lunch. You want to get past this. You want to move forward. You want to turn over the, uh, 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 you know, turn your life around from this. You got to go head on through this. Yep. No, no shortcuts. That's exactly right. Okay. Let's take a deep breath after that one. Yeah. A little meditation for five seconds. (laughs) Yeah. On air meditation. 
All right, I'm good. That's good. We need a sound <laughs> clip for the on-air meditation. <laughs> Soft water flowing. Yeah, exactly, so. a little ocean. All right, okay, let's go to uh, Marvin, Daily City. Marvin, welcome. Hi, happy Tuesday. Um, happy Tuesday to you, Marvin. Thank you. Um, How can we help you? Yeah, I'm calling because um, I'm working on my honesty in this um, time of my uh, recovery, and I had uh, nine months clean until I relapsed um, last month, and I learned from that experience when I relapsed that I was in denial of um, speaking of uh, my relapse to others that's close to me, to my peers, to my family members. And so you weren't being so you weren't being honest. Yeah, I, I want to be more honest to myself, which I'm actually working on in my recovery now, and I feel great. You know, I'm, I'm I have 18 days. So what? What's your specific question, Marvin? My specific question is when I make amends to others and to those that I want to heal relationship with because of my past relapse that's close to me and my peers, and somehow the return to me on other people is kind of negative when I tell them the truth and I'm being honest already, and some of my peers still think that I'm lying, and it actually it's painful for me when I hear that or when I see that in the reaction and you know and what should I do so when I this is encounter this issues again to others that I'm being honest to and some well, people think I'm lying okay alright so Marvin this is something that people in recovery especially young in recovery will experience and it's a very simple thing people want to be shown and proved so your actions what you do will speak for you so even if you say to someone hey you know I'm being truthful now I'm being sincere I'm being honest with what I'm talking about and even if they may not believe that okay that's fine that's okay your job is to show and prove through your actions, that what you're saying is the truth. So if you're saying, hey, you know what? I learned from my relapse. I'm serious about my recovery. I'm recommitting myself to my recovery. Okay, well, I'm just going to watch and see if that's true. I'm not going to listen to what you say. I'm going to watch what you do. So that's how you deal, that's how you deal with that, is you understand that as an addict, if you relapse, okay, or experience multiple relapses, your family, your friends, your peers, etc., who are are who who want you to be su- successful in your recovery, they don't want to hear words anymore. They want to see it done, and that's what you need to do. You need to just do it, okay? All right, and um, okay. another yes, thank you so much. And another area uh, that uh, I'm working on also is um, some of my peers that's close to me wants to see the real me, and you know, in my understanding of myself, 
this is the real me. You know, um, some of my peers wants me to get mad, wants to see me like be more assertive. Marvin. Marvin. Yes. You can only be you. You can't worry about what everyone else wants you to be. Just be who you are. That you don't. That's their. That's their issue. That's their projection. You can't worry about that. Just be who you are, and focus on your commitment to your recovery. Okay. 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 People don't go into treatment to change their personalities. They go in there to change any character issues that they may have, and then the obvious, which I don't have to state. So just focus on your commitment to your recovery. Everything else will take care of itself. Okay? Okay. All right, Marvin. Happy Tuesday. Thank you. Happy Tuesday also, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bless your heart. Got to watch the people around you who are saying, you know, hey, hey, I want you to do this. I want to see this. I want to see that. And, and that becomes the determining factor of judgment on whether or not you're being my hands are up in quotes, real. Right. We're not about changing people's personalities and, 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 and having, hey, this is how I want you to be, and then that will show me that you're truthful or that you're serious. No. And that's not to say that, especially in a residential setting, you shouldn't be open to, mm-hmm. if the group is giving you feedback saying, hey, generally speaking, we feel like maybe you're putting on a bit of a front and we'd like to see you being a little more quote-unquote Real, but again, the goal is not to change an individual's personality, but maybe, hey, let me be open to the idea that maybe, you know, this is being perceived this way because I am maybe not being completely genuine. And if I am, great. And if I'm not, something I need to work on. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, Benson from East Palo Alto. Welcome. Yeah, it's me, Benson. Yes, welcome. Yeah, how you doing, sir? Good. How can we help you? Yeah, uh, my question is, um, how can I stay clean when I get on my program? How can you stay clean after you leave a program? Yes. How can I stay clean when I leave my program? Do you want to stay clean? Of course, sir. I want to change my life. For and you're committed too. And you're committed to staying clean? Yes, sir. And you won three quarters of the battle. You, the you have desire. You have desire. You have commitment. What's left? No, sir. I'm. I'm. Um. I wanna. I wanna change my life. I, I wanna. Know. I wanna. Um, um. Like. Like I have. A, I have a future. I wanna. I don't wanna go back to my uh, my uh, my old place. Like, stu- you know, I wanna leave no, you, my old place. Okay, that's fine. You should do whatever it is you think you need to do on in the on the outside world after you leave a program. That's going to Increase your possibility to succeed. So if it means getting rid of people that are no good for you, that if it means if you're able to move to a place that's better for you, you should do whatever mm-hmm. you can. But um, is 
is that okay if I, um, let's say, um, my old friend, I wanna like, um, like uh, I don't wanna hang out anymore. I wanna find like a new friend for good, for good, um, for good uh, advice, not for bad advice. That's I would I would definitely recommend that. That's why I'm trying asking like um the hey, that's the one I wanna do. I wanna well, get the new. I wanna get new friend, and yes. I wanna. I wanna change my life, and I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do right things, not 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 bad, not wrong things, you know. Because I lost before, I lost myself and I lost my my family, and you know my brother, he can't trust me anymore, but I wanna get back. My brother trust me. Well, the way you'll do all of that is because you're going to be judged on your actions. So if you do all the things you're talking about, then you'll you'll regain the trust from your brother. You'll regain the trust from your family. So all those things you mentioned about, you know what, getting new friends, living in a different place, if you're able to do that, do those things. Okay, sir. Okay? Yeah. Thank you for your uh, advice. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, great. I think, I mean, that's uh, we hear that one again and again, right? And uh, apparently it <laughs> spans the whole spectrum, but old friends and what do I do mm-hmm. and making new friends and home environment, do I return, do I go? And so, yeah, I mean general question but good question and one of the things I would have added but I know we had a, a little language barrier there but is of course my thing is always making sure to prepare someone to exist in whatever environment that right. they may have to return to Right. okay um, but if you're fortunate enough to be able to go to a, a an environment that may be more positive, that's fantastic. But for many, that's not a reality. You that's know, true. They have to... You need to be prepared to survive anywhere, anywhere by any means anywhere, necessary. Anywhere. Right. And then that's how we want to... Uh, su- that's how we want to support your, your, your recovery, your treatment. Uh, Basically, we want, when we rebuild you, we want you to be able to survive, like you said, anywhere under any circumstances. That's right. Completely agree with that. That's the best case scenario. I mean, it's not bad to plan for, hey, you know what, I'd rather avoid this person or that person when I yeah. go back out there. If I have an opportunity, move somewhere else. But you want to be ready in any situation. And it also brings back when we were talking about uh, practic- you know, doing the role plays to practice uh, how you would respond when you're encountered by old friends who you know are still negative. Right. And, you know, to ex- you know, exist in, in your old neighborhood right. without getting drawn back in and, and, and maintaining your boundaries and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And, and to me, if I was to put a knock on treatment programs today is that there's not enough of that role playing going on to prepare people to go out for when they go back to the, those environments. Cause for some, I don't know what it is, but there's some thing that they, 
people are going to be living elsewhere. No, 99% of people are going back returning to, home, returning to where they or or work. Like you yeah. said, if a job was on hold, well, odds are, obviously, if you were working there, you, some of those people you right. were going to have interacted with in your addiction, right. And, right? And so we need to prepare you for that. Not that you're going to be going to a condo in Beverly Hills. Not that they're not using in condos in Beverly Hills, but you know what I mean. Just use that as an example. All right. <laughs> We've only got three minutes left, so this isn't huge news, but I figure I might as well interject with three minutes left. Uh, we got a tweet from uh, one of the NFL insiders on ESPN. Uh, DeMarco Murray is attending the Mavs Cavaliers game tonight, so a potential deal with anybody is going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that update. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, why don't we see if we got enough time for one from the written files? I think from we, the X from the X files. We do have enough. To, well, look, I mean, we could go risk here. We got someone who just called in. No, no screen job, but we got three minutes. All right, let's 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 do the callers justice. If they called in, let's go with let's, the callers. Let's get them in. All right. All right. Your name and hometown, please. Karen from San Francisco. All right, go. How, how can we help you, Karen? Welcome. Um, hi, thank you. Um, so I was just wondering why why is it so hard to be honest sometimes? I mean, I I um I'm a in a program. I'm working with a sponsor, and uh, you know, it's easy to be honest with my sponsor, but sometimes I find it so hard to be honest, like within the program. Is it fair? Hmm? Is it fair, F-E-A-R, fair? Yeah, maybe a little bit, yeah. What are you afraid of? Not sure. <laughs> okay, so this is for you, not so much for me. That don't Do not accept from yourself, do not accept from yourself the answer of I don't know or I'm not sure. Because when you're introspecting on your own and you know analyzing yourself on your own, you never want that to be an, an answer because that stops you from digging deeper to the answer. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm not just saying that for you, me, and you talking. I'm just saying when you, when you're talking to yourself, so to speak. Right. Because if you just say, "Oh, I'm not, I don't know," then that just cuts off you digging, and we want you to dig. For the answer. Right. Put some work in for the answer. So there's a reason why you you know, you share honestly in one area and you don't in the in another. Right. And the only person who knows the the answer is you. So it's whether or not you want to, you know, dig and come forth with it or, or not. So yeah. whether it's fair, whether there's trust issues your homework is to find out the answer, and then next week call us back and let us know. Okay. All right? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Karen. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Right. How much time we got, sir? Another update. This big one, big one. We've got Darrell Revis has agreed to terms to return to the New York Jets. Oh, wow. 
Down to the down to the wire updates. Boy, we're not we're not playing around here today. That's right. First, no. day, first day of free agency. <laughs> That's I, right. I'm sorry, folks. You know we're not a sports show, but we are sports fans, and we're and we're doing the show, but we're trying to keep track of what's going on with our teams here. That's right. Uh, we got one sixty seconds, huh? Um, I don't know if we have one for the X Files. Maybe you can. I don't have a sixty-second question. They, I, when, I, when I said X Files, I meant it because some of the questions are way out there. So I don't think I can do it in sixty seconds. So we can banter on. Okay, lovely. I'll, I'll tell you right now. My little live feed from ESPN is blowing up about this Revis thing. He just got like six tweets in a row. Pending legal, whatever that means. He's agreed. He's agreed probably, to turn. They probably meant to say league approval. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what they yeah, he ran say. out. He ran out of uh, spaces on the Twitter. Someone said, Bowles gets Revis. Bowles, their new defensive coordinator oh, okay. from Arizona. That's mm-hmm. how Bowles. Well, so the first trimester is over. Time to start putting on some weight, regaining some health. <laughs> that's it. That's by, it. By the way, with my second, my second uh, her daughter, uh, my wife, did fine, and you know, gain the appropriate amount of weight and all the cream crackers all, she could eat. Ate all the cream crackers <laughs> she she could eat and whatnot. So all is good. All was good. Beautiful, perfect. Well, we'd like to thank everybody who tuned in again and thank everyone for their ongoing support. We hope you guys have a great week and a weekend, and we look forward to seeing you guys next Tuesday.
that's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Until then, baby, are you gonna let a pussy down and make you cry? Don't you know, don't you know?